Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Pastor Jim Remington. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. Father, we thank you for that report, and we thank you for allowing us the privilege to help serve. And so, Lord, just continue to give us wisdom, continue to give us discernment. I pray for the gift of teaching this morning. We thank you for your word. We know that it will be there, even through the tribulation. There are going to be many coming to Christ. Some of our family members who have scoffed at us will be <laughs> running to find a Bible after the rapture. And Lord, we just keep, help us to just keep planting, to keep watering, to keep fertilizing. Even if they mock us and ridicule us and shine us on, whatever term we want to use. Lord, we want to see them in heaven. We really want to see them. And we know that your word does not return void. So help us to plant, most importantly, help us to plant the word of God in their minds that it might sink down to their heart, their soul, even if it's after the rapture. They'll lose their head, but at least they'll be in heaven. Thank you for this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, 2 Corinthians, we're in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 11. We almost finished up, and so we, we're going to look at verses uh, 32 and 33. And then we'll get into verse uh, chapter 12 this morning. If you're new or visiting, we go through the Bible verse by verse. And what we're going to do after Corinthians, which will probably maybe be three or four more studies, is we're going to get into the book of Revelation. And so um, I'm excited about that. So we'll see what goes on. In Damascus, the governor under Eretus the king was guarding the city of the Damascenes with a garrison desiring to arrest me. But I was let down in a basket through a window in the wall and escaped from his hands. You see, after his conversion, Saul informed his readers in Galatians 1, 15 through 18, that he left Damascus and went into three years of training, personal training with the Lord, most likely through visions. And you might think, visions? Are visions happening? Visions are happening today. Many Muslims are having visions, and the visions are, go find a Christian. Go find a Christian. They have good news for you. Many Muslims are coming to Christ. China is still growing. In the, they, they estimate, they estimate, because they don't know for certain, but they estimate 100 million Christians live in the underground, not literally underground, but the underground church in China. 100 million. So God is still doing work. Amen. Amen. And so he then returned to Damascus, and due to his witnessing that Jesus was indeed the Christ, the Jews wanted to kill him. So he left after that vision. We'll get to it in a little bit. He left, three years of training. Oh, I'm going to go back to where I first started. Well, it didn't go over well. But to escape, he shares with the Corinthian church that he had to be lowered in a basket over a wall, most likely at night. And so coming to Christ changed his perspective on life. Think about this in your own life. You know, as we read the Bible, we always want to try to make it applicable. Because unfortunately, what happens is we say, oh, the super saints, and I'm just me. No, the same Holy Spirit that used the saints then is the same Holy Spirit that wants to use us today. 
And so coming to Christ changed his perspective on life, and yet Paul did not regret one moment of it. And I know I don't, receiving Christ as a senior in high school in the spring of 1978, so 45 years ago. I I don't regret one minute. I don't regret shedding the trash that was in my life. I I have absolutely no regrets. Could I have done things differently as a human being, as a father, as a friend, as a husband? Well, yeah, yeah, there's things I regret about that. But I definitely don't regret Christ. And I hope that you could say the exact same thing. Why? We're living in desperate days. And Romans 1.16 says this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. You see, the country... I watched some very interesting videos this past week out of an African country. <laughs> and the interviewer was trying to push the LBGTQ agenda onto the president of this country. And he just sat there calmly and he said, that is not an issue for us. We are lacking water. We are lacking food. We are lacking jobs. That is not an issue to us. We have our community. We have our culture. We have our ways. And we're going to remain doing what we are doing. And if if we get everything else figured out, maybe we'll address that issue. But that is not an issue. And the, the host didn't know what to say. Only in America can, are, you getting, are they getting away with what they're getting away with. It's, it's happening predominantly in America, guys. Other countries are not going down this road. There are some, but it's predominantly. Why? Because we, we were based upon the Word of God as a Christian nation. We propagate the Word of God. We support missionaries. We send Bibles. We have been doing that for decades. So the enemy, we're in the crosshair of the enemies. He wants to neutralize America. We are in the way of what we're in the way. America is in the way of one world government. We're in the way of the one world economy. We're in the way of the one world religion. We're in the way. We got to get out of the way. So you have to ask yourself, and I encourage you to do this. You better be ready to take a stand. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. For the Jew first and also for the Greek. Now, again, if you're new to the Bible, there's two groups of people on the face of the earth today. You're either a Jew or you're a Gentile or a Greek. Two groups of people, that's it. You're either a a Jew that's going to hell or you're a Gentile going to hell. Or you're a Jew that's going to heaven or a Gentile that's going to heaven. There's three groups of people. Hell, hell, heaven. That's it. And Paul says, I'm not ashamed. Why Why did it go to the Jewish people first? Because they had the word of God. That's the only reason why they went to the Jews first. They had the word of God. Now take the word of God to the Gentiles. And initially, they had prejudice against the Gentiles. For several years, the early church hung on to hating the Gentiles. So this is not new. 2,000 years old. And Peter was rebuked by the Holy Spirit, and he went to the Gentiles. And that started what we have amongst us today, the church. For the Jew first, and also for the Greek. 2 Timothy 1.12, Paul is signing off. He's going to soon be martyred. He says, for this reason, I also suffer these things. We went through the list last week. If you weren't here, go through the list. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Read that list. Especially if you think you're having a hard day and you're going to realize, oh man, I am so blessed. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed. People ridiculed me. People beat me. I was shipwrecked, went through all kinds of suffered without food, had a food in abundance, had clothing, didn't have clothing. Doesn't matter. I'm not ashamed of what God did through my life. For I know whom I have believed. 
and I'm persuaded. That's key in that verse right there. Are you persuaded that the word of God is the word of God? If you are, you better get ready for persecution. Because the church in America is caving, is caving to a culture. And it's going to happen very quickly. This is not going to be 10 years in the making. This year is a defining moment for the Christian church. I really believe that. You're either going to be sold out for Jesus or you're going to get swept downstream. I'm not coming off salvation. If you're saved, hey, you're saved. God's got that, not me. But beware of what's taking place in our country. It is real. It's so sad. For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep my salvation. Not my 401k. That's going to burn or the kids will waste it. It's salvation, guys. Eternity. Eternity. We've got to get our eyes to eternity. It's not about 2024. Yes, be responsible. Vote. You hear me say that all the time. But don't get fixed on that. Don't get fixed on that. Keep your eyes fixed on heaven. That he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day, capital D, until the day of my death. Or the rapture, whichever comes first. He's going to keep it. You see, we should draw strength from this wonderful personal testimony. Paul's sharing his personal testimony here. You see, God was with Paul, working in his life to bring forth the gospel. And God is with us. And will work through us. If. Ah, there's that word. If. And what does if start with? I. I, most of the time, am in the way of God moving in my life. It's not a matter of God doesn't want to move my life. God wants to move my life. I get in the way. If we allow him that opportunity. That's all it is. Are we available for God in this crazy world? Are we available? Or are we going to hunker down? Are we going to lock our doors? Don't hunker door down. Don't lock your doors. I mean, lock your doors, but you know what I mean. You know what I mean. Because God knows what we'll go through. He will never leave us nor forsake us, and he will bring it through us all, guys. He will bring us through it all. As Paul is sharing his personal testimony with the Corinthians, he's going to share with them an experience that will be life transformational. You see, Paul had the privilege of stepping into the throne room of God. Guys, as we read these verses, these next verses, just don't blow over them. Get the picture here. Paul is sharing his testimony that he's never shared with anybody else before. He's writing in 2 Corinthians, and he's telling them, I went to heaven. I stepped into the throne room of God. That's not to be taken lightly. I don't think too many people have had that experience. Maybe when they were on drugs, they thought they did, but not too many straight-headed people. I stepped into the throne room of God, and he lived to talk about it. Let's look at verses 1 through 4, 12. 2 Corinthians 12. It is doubtless not profitable for me to boast. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body, I do not know, or whether out of the body, I do not know, God knows such a one was caught up to the third heaven. And I know such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know, God knows how he was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. 
You see, Paul is talking in the third person, yet we know from our text that he is talking about himself. A few things to notice here that are interesting. First, Paul didn't know if he was within his body for this vision or if he had been transported into heaven. So this gives us a clue as to when this might have happened. You see, no one else was around at the time. Because if they were, they would be able to tell Paul, man, Paul, you, you were blacked out for like five minutes. We wondered if you had died. We, we, we didn't know what was going on. But then you came forward. You came to and you, said, you started rambling about the throne of God, the throne of God. There was no one around. So Paul's just saying, I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't matter. He went there. You see, some people believe that Paul had this experience when he was stoned with rocks in Lystra. Literally stoned, not with medicinal marijuana, with stones. Killed. He died. The brethren went outside, outside the city, prayed over him. He came back to life. But he says 14 years. Well, 14 years prior to this letter would have been early 40s, the original 40s. And Paul didn't start his missionary journeys until the late 40s. So this vision probably took place during those silent years of Paul's life. Those years between his conversion in Damascus and when Barnabas hooked up with him for the missionary work at Tarshish. But this was not Paul's first experience of visions. He had a vision on the road to Damascus, Acts chapter 9. Then he had a vision of a man named Ananias coming and laying hands on him so that he might receive his sight. You see, Paul had various visions throughout his lifetime, and here he shares with the Corinthians a vision that he had not shared with anyone, as I've already mentioned, with anyone else, including them. Which brings up a very interesting point to me, especially in these days we're living in. Paul didn't write a book, nor did he start a speaking tour announcing his trip to heaven. He kept it between himself and the Lord. And to me, this is just another example of Paul's humility versus the boasting of the false teachers who had crept in to the Corinthian church. And if you're new visiting, that's what we've been studying the last month or so. They were either within the church and started to attack Paul or they came from without the church into the church and started to attack Paul. Either way, these were people who were saying, oh, we're apostles just like Paul. And actually, we're better than Paul. Paul's appearance, it's like, who's that guy? And his speech, I mean, he can hardly talk. They were putting Paul down. No, Paul was too humble to exalt himself. Paul could have boasted of these things for years, but he didn't want to draw attention to himself. Notice in verse 4 there how he was caught up. That word, those two words are caught up, they mean to cease, to seize, to snatch, to seize or to snatch. And this is the same verbiage used to explain the rapture of the church in 1 Corinthians 4, 14 through 18. Now, some of you might go, well, I don't believe in the rapture. That's fine. You don't have, that's, that's not a salvation, a doctrinal issue for salvation. That's fine. That's fine. We'll, we'll, we'll explain it to you on the way up. But it's going to happen. It's going to happen. You better be ready for it. You see, Paul was caught up to the third heaven. And what is the third heaven that Paul is talking about? As you read your scriptures, as you read these things, you should go, third heaven? Third heaven? What's, what's the third heaven? You should ask yourself those questions. I'll say, well, I'm going to ask the pastor when I see him. Hello? You start to look. 
And if you want to confirm it with somebody, yeah, come alongside and confirm us, obviously. But don't, don't do the weight game. Do it yourself because then you'll forget like I do and won't get around to it. You see, you've probably heard this expression used by the Mormons, that there are three levels of heaven. Now, we don't bash religions around here. We just teach the truth, and we try to teach it in love, not ridicule, not mocking. But we have to be mature enough to talk about religion because billions of people are going to hell because they're religious. They don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. They're just religious So you have to be mature enough to lovingly go to them and say, wait a minute, what what are you talking about? So let's look at what it is, and then we'll look at what it is not. You see, the Bible explains itself clearly. You just have to look within the pages. The first heaven lies within the atmosphere in which we live, Genesis 1.20. And God said that the waters bring forth abundantly and moving creature that has life, and fowl that made fly above the earth in the open firmament of the heaven. So the first heaven is everything within our atmosphere. Bible just told you that. That's the first heaven. So now we know, okay, the first heaven. Okay. Well, what about the second heaven? Very important. Well, another psalm, Psalm 147 says this, Sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. Sing praises on the harp to our God who covers the heavens with clouds. Are there clouds in the outer atmosphere? I mean, there might be, maybe in some distant planet, but... Just speaking in general, no, the clouds are within our atmosphere. Who prepares rain for the earth? Is it raining in the outer atmosphere? Not that we know of. Uh, Maybe raining meteorites. Who makes grass to grow on the mountains? Is there any grass growing on any other planet that we know of? We're spending billions and trillions of dollars over the last how many decades to find life outside this earth instead of spending that trillions of dollars on trying to figure out how we can help life on this earth. It's just Satan. It's just Satan. Distraction, distraction. There's got to be something else outside this earth. Don't believe in God. Don't believe in the Bible. There's got to be something else. No, believe in the Bible. The second heaven is everything outside our atmosphere. Genesis 1, 14 and 15. And God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night. And let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. And let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. And it was so. This is what Moses had to say about the heavens when he, instruct, when he was instructing the children of Israel just before they were going to go in and possess the land. Deuteronomy 10.14 Indeed, heaven and the highest heavens belong to the Lord our God, also the earth and all that is in it. The two heavens. It all belongs to God. And with our great wisdom, and I thank God for wisdom, I thank God for smart people. I mean, that's amazing. Who could think of this stuff to purify water and then take what comes out of the water and turn around and use it for helping people to get better? Praise God for smart people. But don't be so smart that you neglect that God is smarter than you. Way smarter than you. He didn't have to think about creating. Jesus spoke it into being. You try doing that. When you can do that, come and let me know and then we'll have a really deep conversation. Speak something into being out of nothing. Absolutely nothing. Never going to do it. You can see that the Bible clearly talks of two physical heavens. So where is this third heaven? It is that spiritual place that we literally call heaven where the throne room of God exists. When we say people went to heaven, they died and went to heaven. Did they go to the first heaven? No. Did they go to the second heaven? No. They went to heaven, the third 
heaven. It's not a physical place that we can see with our eyes, like the moon or the sun that are in the heavens, but a spiritual place where God takes the believer home to. It's a spiritual abode referenced in the New Testament. Paul references here. Jesus referenced it. But he was talking about Abraham's bosom, which then Jesus took all those who were in Abraham's bosom, took them captive to heaven. Jesus used the word paradise. Paul uses the word paradise here. Paul was not caught down into Abraham's bosom. After the resurrection, anyone who died did not go to Abraham's bosom. They immediately went to heaven that believed in Jesus. That final destination of every believer, no more pain, no more suffering, total peace in the presence of God. I think it's a place that everyone wonders about sooner or later, especially on their deathbed. I've been with people, had the privilege, maybe a dozen or so, of being with people as they've taken their last breath or working up to that point. People wonder about heaven. And even believers, unfortunately, because they haven't been in the word of God on a daily basis, they hope that they're going to make it into heaven. And when I run across that, I sit down and I read the word of God. I did this with one man, just popped into my mind, visited him, I don't know, maybe six or seven weeks in a row. And for six or seven weeks, he just, yeah, I hope I make it. Yeah, I hope I get there. And we talk about salvation. We go, just kept going over the exact same scriptures every single time. And, and at the seventh or eighth time, whenever it was, I don't remember that, I come in, I say, how you doing? Good, are you ready to go to heaven? I am. I am going to heaven. Amen. Was it Jim's great preaching? No. What Did I convince him? No. I just read the word of God. The word of God is solid and true. No matter what anyone else might try to convince you of, it is solid and true. It's a definite physical place for the believer, and we have a living hope for those who acknowledge Jesus as their Savior. If you're sitting here this morning, you haven't acknowledged Jesus as your Savior, as I mentioned earlier, God loves you, and he wants you to spend eternity with him. But you can, you can push him away. That's your free will. But you've been told. You've been told, and I bet, I can guarantee you, you've been told before. So don't keep pushing them away. The Apostle John had the privilege of going to that place. Paul, he believed that he couldn't give us any details. But John gave us tremendous details. Revelation chapter 21, the whole chapter. I encourage you to read the whole chapter. If you're wondering what heaven is like, read the whole chapter. It's an exact measurement of heaven. 15, they estimate, some estimate 350 miles, 1,350 miles, some estimate uh, 1,500 miles, whichever it is, pick a number, but it's a cube. So I always just go with 1,500, 1,500 miles tall, 1,500 miles cube, guys, that's heaven. You think you're going to have any room? Unbelievable. The colors, the stones, the gems. And guys, white people have a hard time clapping hands. Right, Terrence? They just have a hard time keeping a beat. When we get to heaven, we're all going to have a beat. It's going to be wonderful. We're all going to be in unison. And a person's shade of color against what the government is trying to push is going to be totally irrelevant, like it should be irrelevant in our lives today. There's one race, the human race. Don't buy into this nonsense that the government is trying to push. Eight billion people need Jesus. There's one race, 
Don't buy into the lie of the enemy. So here we can see that place that is called by Paul paradise. And with this portion of scripture, it's better known as the third heaven. Now, the Mormons teach that there are three heavens as well. But they go outside the Bible and place their eternal destiny on a vision that Joseph Smith had. After this vision, he then took 1 Corinthians 15 and interpreted the text totally out of context. In 1 Corinthians 15, 40 through 41, you will see the words celestial, celestial, those are heavenly bodies or the bodies of the angels, celestial. And you'll see terrestrial, which are earthly bodies or those bodies of humanity. So there are two bodies. Read 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It's totally explained, very self-explanatory. There is a natural body. There is a spiritual body. You're going to get a brand new spiritual body, guys. No more pain, no more suffering, no more ibuprofen, no more none of that stuff. I don't know why anyone wants to stick around here. I'm like, yes, let's have it today. So, unfortunately, in context, those two words, not unfortunately, fortunately, in context, those two words clearly explain our temporal earthly bodies as well as our eternal heavenly bodies. That's a fact. Read your Bible. But in order to take them out of context, Joseph Smith had to come up with a third word because he wanted his converts to believe in three levels of heaven. So the word telestial is not found in the original Greek language. In other words, it cannot be traced back to a Greek origin. So it was actually made up by Joseph Smith to formulate the LDS teaching on the various levels of heaven. The celestial level is that level where people who have been baptized into the Mormon faith, those who follow the LDS teaching, those who have been married in the LDS temple, and those who meet the other requirements of the church, they're going to get to go to that first level of heaven. And they'll be in the presence of God the Father, his son Jesus, one of his many sons. No, there's only one son. And many of them will eventually become gods themselves. The second level of heaven is for those who did not accept the Mormon teaching, but were nice people. So that might be you. They will receive visits from Jesus, but will not see the Father and cannot advance to Godhood. The third level of heaven is for those who have rejected the testimony of the Mormon church, those who commit serious crimes, such as murder, adultery, lying. They will have the Holy Spirit who will come and minister to them, but they will not be able to go see the Father or the Son, Jesus. Pastor Chuck, who's been with the Lord for many, many years, he's a senior pastor of Calvary Chapel. If you don't know anything about Calvary Chapel, he started Calvary Chapels um, in 65. There's a movie coming out this coming week that if you want to go see, um, you can go check it out. You know, Pastor Chuck had various sayings, not biblical sayings, but just various sayings that made a lot of sense. And so this is one of his sayings. When the Bible makes, I encourage you to write this down or take a picture of it. When the Bible makes common sense, this is Proverbs Chuck 1.1. (laughs) Try not to have it make any other sense, else you'll end up with nonsense. So when the Bible makes common sense, which we just read, which you interpreted yourself just by listening, first heaven is everything within our atmosphere, second heaven is everything outside our atmosphere, third heaven is literally heaven itself, God's throne room. That was very simple, wasn't it? You've got to do a lot of religious gymnastics to mess that up. 
But that's what Satan wants to do. You see, Paul was caught up to the third heaven or to the throne room of God. He was not allowed to share with us what he saw or heard, as I mentioned earlier, but John was allowed. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 14. Beautiful place. Not going to take time to do it. You study it yourselves. I am so excited about going. If I drop over here this morning, do not come up. I had a brother that actually gave me a shirt, and I'm wearing it this morning. I wear it every Sunday morning. No, I don't. <laughs> but he gave me a shirt, DNR. I, I should wear it so when they take off this one, that DNR. Do not resuscitate. Praise God. I'm in heaven. Don't bring me back to this place. 2 Corinthians 4.16. Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing and falling apart. Can any of you say an amen to that? Look in the mirror. It's falling apart. We've got to spend some time in front of it to get it put back together. Yet the inward man is being renewed, notice this, day by day. How is your inward man? That's your soul. How is your soul being renewed with all the trash that is taking place? For me, I have to be in the Word of God. Not for you, for me. With my daily devotions, I do daily devotions for me. I need them. Now, you're going to get the benefit of it, and if you do them, I'll get the benefit of it. But if you're not doing it, who's getting the benefit of anything? Just a lot of ranting and raving going on, and nobody really appreciates that. For our light affliction is but for a moment. Guys, this is light. I say this at every memorial service. Peter says, a day with the Lord is as a thousand years, a thousand years are as a day with the Lord. So one time, many decades ago, I took 24, divided into a 1,000 years. Do you know what one hour equals? Just to give us an idea of eternity. Because you go to the children in the Sunday school. I play music once a month. You can help out in the Sunday school. And sometimes I'll ask the children, what's eternity? Hand shoots up, forever. You're right. What's forever? Eternity. You're right. It's really hard for us to figure out. So I think God gave me a little bit. This isn't special revelation nonsense. Just a little clue. One year of earth time is 41.6 years. If you want to wonder, I wonder how long eternity is. By the time you got dressed, came here, by the time you get home, you're done. 83 years is two hours. My dad lived to be 100. He lived a little over two hours. He stepped into eternity. I hope he knew Jesus. Guys, we're going to step into eternity in a little bit over two hours. Don't get hung up. On what's here. Because it's fading fast. And it's going fast. You don't know. You might die today. You might be a teenager and die today. You don't know. Young people die. Babies die. According to the CDC, 10 out of 10 people still die. Thanks for letting us know that. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary. Are you guys getting this? It's temporary. One minute is a little over four months. One second is a little bit over four days. Four days. February's gone. We're into March. Man, we're already coming back from Israel. Now we're heading towards the ladies' retreat. Ladies' retreat already came and went. Oh, the Seder meal, the Passover. Oh, that was so much fun. It's already gone. You snowbirds, you're out of here. Praise God. 
You're having a great time somewhere else. Now it's already July and we're starting to boil. Please come September. Oh, bummer, it didn't come. For the things which are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Verse 1, chapter 5. For we know that if this earthly house, this tent is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Now, rabbis would use physical analogies to teach a spiritual principle. I'm going to change these words to one word. And when you go home, read over this, these verses. Read the rest of through verse 8 with this one word. Insert this one word. Body. Body. Because that's what Paul's talking about here. Let's read it again. For we know that if our earthly body, this body is destroyed, we have a body from God, a body not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. 1 Corinthians says we have a, new, a physical body and a spiritual body. Jesus says, I'm going to heaven. And people think he's wearing Home Depot bags, building mansions in heaven. He's prepared a place for you. It's your new body. Don't be afraid of it. Rejoice in it. Look forward to that last breath. I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited about it. I'm going to get a brand new body and be in the presence of God. No more of this nonsense. You see, in addressing, as we look back into 2 Corinthians, well, we're not going to get there, so we'll finish up next week. But I do want to end with this. In addressing what the Mormons teach versus actual biblical doctrine, it's vital that we keep going back to the Word of God as the music team comes up. You see, false doctrine is creeping into the church at a very rapid rate, unheard of in years gone by. The acceptance of alternative lifestyles is being lifted up as a norm and it's totally acceptable. I I've, haven't done this in decades. Well, I shouldn't say decades because we've just been here decades, but in probably 15 years. I don't like doing this, but after watching the videos, I have to do this. I have to warn you. And if you can prove otherwise, I will retract what I will say next Sunday. Andy Stanley, a megachurch pastor, has totally accepted same-sex marriage has invited them into his church to serve. His staff is endorsing and teaching them how they can serve in various aspects of the church. And Anley Stanley said on video, they have more faith than most of you Christians sitting in this auditorium because they are willing to serve and you won't serve but they have been waiting for decades to come into the church and serve. That's heresy. That's straight from the pit of hell. And we will not love anybody to hell in this church. For God so loves the world, he loves every single person, every pedophile, every homosexual, every trans, give me a name, he loves them, get over it. It has nothing to do with hate or rhetoric. It has nothing to do with phobias. It has to do with the truth. For God so loves the world. Be ready. If a mega church is welcoming it, you don't think it's going to come to Arizona? It's already here. 
And if you take a stand, you don't think that you're going to stand out? Well, that mega church down there who loves Jesus and has the same Bible, they're fine with it. What's your problem? You're a bigot. You're a phobiac. Are you ready to hear those words? I'm fine with it. Bring it on. It's like, go away. I love you. God loves you. Get over it. You don't even know me. Don't take it personal. Take it to the cross. But if you're not ready, you're going to get swept down. You're get swept downstream. Mega church pastor, swept downstream. Inviting it into the church. This is what Jesus really wants. Live from the pit of hell. Father, we thank you and praise you that there is a revival taking place. And Lord, we want to see that revival. And Lord, I just pray and we pray for anyone teaching the word of God as your word says. It'd be better that a millstone were hung around your neck and drowned in the depth of the sea. You take your word very seriously, Father, and so should we. And so we pray for the hearts of pastors that are knowingly and willingly leading people to hell by accepting lifestyles that would never be accepted 30 years ago in the church. A falling away is taking place, as your word said would happen. But a revival is also taking place. And Lord, revival, once again, is individual. Revive our hearts, Father, individually, that we would be sold out for your word. That we will take a stand when, it, when the time comes. That we'll speak the truth in love. Using a nice tone. Not sugarcoating it, but using a nice tone. And trying to lead people to Jesus. Your word also says some get saved through the fear of hell. So Father, if we need to plant and water in that regards, give us that wisdom. That you'll be glorified, Lord. And I pray for the pastorate. I thank you for the pastorate, Lord. Men that just love Jesus and are not going to compromise. I thank you for the various volunteers that serve in the Sunday school and special needs with the young adults, with, with the junior high, with the high school, with all the various ministries that take place. Father, I thank you for a church, these, these volunteers that are sold out for Jesus and are not going to compromise. Because they know the truth. Lord, continue to give us strength in these evil days. That we'll not look to the right nor to the left, but we'll look straight ahead. We'll look to heaven. And just complete what your word has called us to do. To be an ambassador for Christ. For nothing else. An ambassador for Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church and how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.